0: Have you ever wanted to run and hide? I'd be really surprised if you hadn't. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not the only one who wants to do that. I'm guessing most of us feel it quite often, don't we? We feel, uh, we feel anxious, we feel fearful, uh, we feel under stress, we, we feel kind of overwhelmed by what's on our plate. That's pretty normal, isn't it? To want to run and hide, to want to escape and start again, to want to press pause. It's, I think it's the normal human response isn't it? To living with the the struggles of life in a a broken world. Um, And of course, wanting to run and hide, I think, is common to all of us because what causes us to feel like that is common. To all of us, you know, uh, job responsibilities, career responsibilities, parental responsibilities, uh, caring for uh, a sick relative or spouse, financial pressures, pressures of leadership, pressures of uh, academia, peer pressure, especially amongst the the young uh, and so on. All of those things and more, uh, of course, can sort of build up, can't they, to the point where we just feel so weary, so weary with it all and we feel like running away, we feel like hiding in a corner somewhere. I think that's a common human experience, isn't it? And I think it's why the Psalms are such a kind of treasure chest uh, of spiritual food for weary souls like you and me. Um, Because time and again, we find the writers expressing the emotions that we can often feel as well. They're they're very realistic, aren't they, the the Psalms? They are Psalms for everyday life. They, They chart believers feelings very accurately I think sometimes we feel happy and joyful don't we and there are there are psalms that express joy and thankfulness to God other times we feel reflective perhaps there are psalms that help us look back don't they and and remember what God has done and there are other times when frankly we feel alone and we feel desperate and there are many psalms that express that emotion as well and that's really helpful isn't it because I think that often as Christians, we can feel that it's, it's somehow unspiritual to express our emotions to God. You know, that it's it is ungodly to, to feel at the end of your tether. Or that you're kind of letting the side down to feel overwhelmed or feel anxious about something. But the Psalms remind us that actually such feelings are normal. Right, They're the normal emotional reactions of believers who live in a broken world. No, the experiencing of those emotions is normal for the Christian. The question is how we manage and deal with those feelings. And Psalm 55 here is a psalm of lament. In other words, it's a psalm that expresses feelings of sorrow, feelings of pain. It's a psalm written by, by King David. Um, it's written during a period of great, great pressure. Uh, great distress for him he's afraid and he's troubled and he's overwhelmed with horror such that he wants to run away he wants to hide from it all and again that, that it just all sounds so familiar doesn't it we feel his pain because we felt it ourselves did some of us might be feeling it now this psalm expresses our pain too Friends, I think it's good for us to recognise that, that as we come to the psalm. It's a psalm that invites us to be honest before God about how we're feeling. And then to reflect on what help David found in his moment of great distress, that God may help us in our distress too. So I've got two really simple headings for us. Uh, one is the pain we feel. That's verses 1 to 15. That's the first half of the psalm. And then secondly, the help God gives. That's verses 16 to 23. That's the second half of the psalm. So have a look with me, first of all, at verses 1 to 15 and the pain we feel. Because that's what the first half of the psalm here does. It expresses David's feelings of pain and distress and fear. Feelings that to a certain degree we experience as well. Notice, first of all, his pain. He cries out to God in verse 1, doesn't he? And pours out to him how he's feeling. Give ear to my prayer, Lord. Listen to me, Lord. Don't hide yourself from my plea for mercy. So what's his problem? What's What's the cause of his distress? Well, actually, I think he's got kind of two big problems here, hasn't he? For a start, he's experiencing crippling fear. Verse 2, I am restless in my complaint and I I moan, I groan. He's distraught because of the noise of the enemy and the oppression of the wicked. Verse 3, for they drop trouble upon me and in their anger they bear a grudge against me and my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling has come upon me. Horror Overwhelms me. Do you see this man is worried to death? He's sick with fear about what faces him. Now, again, we're not told the the precise details as to when this event might have happened, but actually, if you just flick through 1 and 2 Samuel, you'll find plenty of times when David came close to death. Uh, Of course, those books, I think they're pretty much a catalogue, aren't they, of David's near death experiences. Um, and and we shouldn't imagine friends that David is some kind of you know Christian superhero that just takes everything on the chin you know and and sort of uh, you know goes through life unflustered and unaffected you know in the the face of of desperation and death yes he was a fighter yes of course he, he had courage and bravery he was still flesh and bone just like you and me even the soldiers you know even soldiers get afraid don't they it's a natural human emotion. And here, David is really fearful. The language here is very strong, actually, isn't it? The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Horror overwhelms me. In fact, verse 4 literally says, my heart writhes in my guts. This guy's really, really scared. He, He genuinely thinks he's about to die. And if you've ever been in a situation of being really afraid... Like that, you know, it's terrifying, isn't it? You know, maybe it's the fear of an uncertain future, uh, maybe it's the fear of losing your health, maybe it's the fear of other people and what they'll do to you, and so on. It's often paralyzing, isn't it? Well, this is what David is going through, and he brings it to the Lord and tells the Lord, "I am very afraid." But there's another aspect to to David's pain. It's not just crippling fear. But did you notice it's bitter betrayal as well? Look at what he says in verse 12. For it's not an enemy who taunts me, for then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me, for then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together. And within God's house, we walked in the throng. Do do you see the point? He's been insulted. He's been attacked by somebody who once was a close friend and and companion. Somebody he used to go to church with. That's betrayal, isn't it? They used to be good friends and confidence. Somebody that that, that David would pray with and and, and confide in and share his thoughts with and, and trust. But now
1: this person's betrayed him. And turned against him.
0: And that's something he's finding very hard to deal with. There's one possible episode that David's referring to here, um, which is the the episode in 2 Samuel, you might remember it, when when his son turned against him, Absalom, and hounded him out of the city and temporarily took charge of the throne. You know, that was certainly a bitter betrayal, wasn't it? But, you know, whether it's that or whether it's another event, what's clear is that. David is deeply wounded, isn't he? And I guess we can sympathize, can't we? You know, because many of us will have experienced betrayal, won't we? Maybe it's somebody at work who you thought was a trusted colleague, but then they turn on you for, for no apparent reason and, and, and slander you or, or falsely accuse you. Or maybe it's a friend at church who who betrays our confidence and, and we feel hurt or we feel let down. Or, or maybe it's a spouse that breaks a marriage vow and and it's hurtful. Indeed, it's, it's perhaps this aspect of what happened to David that he's struggling with the most. And that's often the way it is, isn't it? We might be quite resilient people in some areas, but the thing that really hurts and brings us down is betrayal. So we've seen David's pain, but what's his plan? You know, How does he, how does he think about coping with the pain? Well, I think this is in two parts as well, because his first, his first idea... Is to, is to run, verse 6. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I'd lodge in the wilderness. I'd, I'd hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. You see, the situation has got so bad for him that he just wants to run away, right? He wishes he was a bird <laughs> so they could just up and, and fly off and fly away from the situation, find some bolt hole in the wilderness out the way somewhere. That's what he wants to do, isn't it? And of course, that's often our natural reaction as well, isn't it? To a situation of strain or, or, or stress. or We, we, we just want to run and hide. We want to curl up somewhere and cut ourselves off until the problem goes away. Young, young kids do it, don't they? By jumping into bed and hiding under the quilt until the monster goes away. <laughs> but actually, you know, as adults, I think we do the same thing metaphorically, really, don't we? We try and respond to our problems either by denying them or, or by trying to escape them, self-denial or, or, or escapism. You know, per- Perhaps we're, we're, we're people who, who sort of plow on as though everything's okay when we know it isn't. Maybe we deny the reality of the doctor's words. Maybe we don't confront the person we're having a problem with. We just hope it'll all go away. Now, of course, the reality is that the desire to run away, that the, the, you know escapism, self-denial, it always ends in failure, doesn't it? It doesn't work because the problem doesn't go away. Usually it catches up with us in the end sometimes. Which means that although the desire to run away is normal and understandable, friends, it's not the right solution, is it? Sooner or later, we need to face our fears, don't we? Not hide from them. So David's got a second plan here as well, kind of plan B, and that one doesn't look any better, to be honest, because his second plan is to avenge right, and get even with his enemies. You see, he's angry. Look at verse 9, destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues. Does That sound familiar? For I see violence and strife in the city, Or, or verse 15, let death steal over them, let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in their dwelling place and in their heart. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? He wants God to confuse his enemies like he did to the people around the Tower of Babel back in, back in Genesis 11. He wants, or he wants God to destroy his enemies and send them down to the grave alive, like, like, like God did to, to Korah and, and his accomplices. After Korah, if you remember, opposed Moses in, in Numbers 16, when, when God opened the ground and kind of swallowed them whole. That's what David wants for his enemies. And and maybe that sounds a bit bloodthirsty to us, but friends, I'll bet a load of us have let those kind of thoughts swirl around in our heads from time to time, haven't we? Lord, these people who are opposing us, couldn't you just take them out? Couldn't you just take them out, Lord? we, We might not go so far as to wish them dead, but we certainly don't want much good for them either, do we? You know, Jesus' words to us to, to love your enemies and pray for those who, who persecute you. Well, they're certainly words we struggle to obey, aren't they? And we, and we often find our thoughts kind of slipping into vengeance and retaliation when, when we, we think we've been wronged. How can I get them back? We think to ourselves. And we, we might not voice that out loud, of course, but the thought is there, isn't it? All right in the, in the recesses of our hearts and minds. And, and then our thoughts start to become bitter Towards them, maybe our language and our actions—they get driven by that anger that we feel in our hearts, vengefulness. So, friends, we recognise what's going on here with David, don't we? And that's because what he's experiencing is is common to us too. We too know the experience of crippling fear and bitter betrayal, and his emotions are our emotions. And and, and there's nothing wrong with with the emotions. They're real feelings. They're genuine pain. They're not to be ashamed of. But the question is, how will we deal with them? And often our reaction is the same as David's reaction here, which is that they either make us want to run away or they make us want to avenge those who hurt us. But is there a better way? (laughs) Is there a more godly way of dealing with those very real pains and fears? Well, Well, yes, there is. So having looked at the pain we feel, that's the first half of the psalm, have a look at the second half of the psalm from verse 16 to the end and see the help that God gives because that's what we see here. Notice what David says in verse 16. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Do you see, although he's tempted to either run away or seek vengeance, what he actually does in in verse 16 is to pray to the living God. And notice what form that praying takes in verse 17. Evening, morning, and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. In other words, he doesn't just pray once, right? He prays regularly. He prays repeatedly. He prays morning, noon, and night. It's a sign that he's trusting God. Isn't it? In the face of everything the world can throw at him, David has got a, he's got a lifeline to God and he's, he's holding on to it. Or rather, God is holding on to him through it.
1: <laughs> and that's the right thing to do, isn't it? Or is it? Because you, you, you might well be thinking, well, is that,
0: is that all we've got? Just pray. Is that it? You know, is that it for him and is that it for me? You know, when I'm terrified of what's happening to me and I feel betrayed like that, is that all the psalmist has got for me? Just pray. Yes, that's exactly what David is saying. But just listen to him as he shows us how God answers his prayers because it's through David's prayers that God gives him the help that he needs. Uh, Notice uh, first, uh, verse 22, that, that David's prayer gives him new strength. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved or to fall or to let go. See, David knows that it's when he prays to God... That God sustains him. He'll never let him fall. He'll never let him go. Do you see? Through prayer, God gives David strength to persevere. Um, it's, it's, it's maybe a bit like rock climbing. I used to do a bit of that back in the day. And, and if, you're, if you're kind of the, second, the seconder on a, on, a, on a rock climbing pitch, you've got someone above you, haven't you? Someone who's holding you on the rope. So that if you fall, you're safe. You're not going anywhere. Because you're tied, cause tied to the other end of the rope is someone else who won't let you go. And that, that's how it is with David here. I'm sure he did feel like letting go of the rope. He, he's weary, he's fearful, he just wants to escape the situation. But he knows that God is on the other end, holding on to him. And so as David commits himself to God in prayer, casts his cares on God, so God sustains him. He doesn't let him go. It's like the Apostle Peter puts it, isn't it? 1 Peter 5 verse 6 kind of echoes this psalm. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. See God cared For David and David, that found that in his distress, when he prayed to the Lord, God sustained him. Which which doesn't mean that all all David's problems went away or his enemies disappeared. Actually, in verse twenty, his betrayer is still lurking in the shadows. Or in verse eighteen, he says that many still oppose him. You know, even though he said that God has heard his voice in verse seventeen. So David knows that, that God doesn't promise to take all our problems away. But he does promise to sustain us and stick with us through those tough times. And it's as David prayed that he knew the sustaining power of God. And it gave him new strength to battle on. But there's there's another result of David's prayer as well, isn't there? That, 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 That it gave David a new perspective. In other words, it's, it's when David turns to God in prayer that he's able to see his enemies in, in a new light as well. Notice what it says in verse 18. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, he who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. You see his new perspective there? He knows that God is in charge of his life and that God will redeem him from his captors. He also knows that God has David's enemies in his hands too and and will hold them to account. He'll humble them. You see, he knows that God is the one who is enthroned in heaven, verse 19, sees everything that's going on. And and so people who have no fear of God, uh, verse 19 again, and, and so kind of attack God's people, well, they'll be humbled and they'll be held to account. Just listen to what he says in verse 23. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. See, whatever David is going through now, and and what he's going through is massively hard, he knows that God will bring his enemies to justice. And, And the point here, friends, is that it's when David praise that he's able to see his situation in perspective and see that God is on the throne God's in charge of his life and the lives of his enemies now just t- take a minute to think about that because it, that's exactly the same for us friends it's through prayer that God gives us to new strength and a new perspective on the tough times that we face. See, see the, the danger for us when we go through tough times is to try and deal with the situation ourselves, isn't it? And, and natural tendency is to kind of revert to self-defense, you know, uh, sort of curl up in a ball, try and get through it as best we can in our own strength. But David challenges us here to bring our concerns to God in prayer. Because it's when we do that, that he gives us strength. You know, not, not taking the trouble away, but strengthening us to deal with the trouble. Of course, we often find prayer very difficult when, when times are hard. But why not try David's strategy here of praying morning, noon and night? You know, it be just three short prayers, just a minute or two, asking God to help you get through the day. That'd be a great thing to do, actually. Because it would signal the fact that you know you can't get through the day on your own. But you're trusting God to get you through. It's an acknowledgement that however weak your grip on him might be, his grip on you is as strong as it needs to be. Hold on to him as he holds on to you.
1: Because he won't let you fall, you know. And it's as we pray
0: that we'll see our prayers for strength answered. Just look back at your past week, what you've been through in this past week. don't know what the week's been like for you. Some it will have been a great week. Uh, Others a bit up and down maybe. For others it might have been pretty grim. But whatever it's been like, how have you got through? I can tell you one thing for certain. It's only been in the strength that God's
1: given you. So keep praying, even when it's
0: hard, because it's through prayer That God gives us new strength and a new perspective on the tough times that we face. And friends, how much we need the new perspective, don't we? How much we need to keep our, our perspective changed so that it becomes more like God's. That's why we need to keep praying, isn't it? So that we keep seeing things from his point of view. That the wicked will see justice, that God is in control. Friends, it's the same for us as it was for David. When we're going through pain and trouble, we need to see the bigger picture. We need to see the greater horizon. So that we can say, as David did at the end of verse 23, but as for me, I will trust in you. So... As we finish, what do we learn from this psalm? Let me suggest three things that we can learn here. The first is that we shouldn't be ashamed to bring our emotions to God. Okay, I think that's a lesson we learn from lots of the psalms, actually, but we frequently forget it, don't we? And here is David, and he's in great pain. He's seriously afraid, and yet he brings those emotions to God and lays them out before God, and that God helps him through that. So friend, if you're feeling worried or anxious or fearful about something this morning, bring it to God. If you're feeling blessed this morning, bring it to God. If you're feeling angry about something, bring it to God. He's big enough to take your emotions and he'll sustain you through whatever you're going through. Maybe a second thing here is for us to stand by our fellow Christian brothers and sisters who are going through tough times. You know, David's closest ally here evidently betrayed him and it hurt him deeply. And one of the dangers when our brothers and sisters go through tough times is that we feel afraid to stand with them, don't we? You know, we wonder what to say or we wonder what to do and so we end up not just saying or doing nothing but perhaps actively avoiding them. Well, friends, there's no easy answers to give to somebody in the middle of tough times. But, friends, the last thing they need is our betrayal. You know, I thought they were my friend. But now they don't even acknowledge me. Friends, usually no words are needed. We just rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. We just provide a listening ear, don't we, and a shoulder to cry on. But, friends, the big thing I think this this psalm does is urge us to look to Jesus, doesn't it? Because as the anointed one, David points us to Christ, doesn't he? And, friends, who has felt the pain and the fear and the horror expressed in this psalm the most? Who is it who was betrayed by one of his closest friends? Who is it who said in the Garden of Gethsemane, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? Who is it who wanted to run and hide from what he knew he had to face? Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. It's Jesus, isn't it? He's the one who knows in all its fullness that the pain of crippling fear and
1: bitter betrayal. But he's also the one
0: who knew that his father would sustain him and so would hold the enemies of Christ accountable and, and so faced the fear in the strength that God provided and went the way of the cross. Do you see, friends, Jesus has walked this pain of hardship before us and he did so even unto death on the cross for our sakes, for our sin. He knows what it feels like. And so he is the one who can walk with us as we go the way of the cross too. Friends, we must never think that we are alone or forsaken. And we must never presume to trust in ourselves. Because in Christ, we have one who is worthy of every little bit of our trust and our confidence. Because he will never let us down. So, friends, let us do what we see David doing in this psalm praying and trusting. He prays, I call to the Lord and the Lord will save me, verse 16. He casts his cares on him, verse 22, because he never permits the righteous to be moved. He prays and he trusts. As for me, verse 23, I will trust in you. Friends, whatever the situation is, Whatever we face and whatever emotions accompany that, may that be our response too. Not to run and hide, but to pray and trust. For no matter what, he will never let us down. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you so much that, um, that in the pain we feel in the, in the struggles of life and the Uh, The fear and anxiety and stress and feelings of betrayal that we often fear will overwhelm us. That you invite us not to run and hide, but to bring all that to you in prayer. Not to be ashamed to come to you with our emotions, but to do as you invite us to. and Indeed, to do it more often and bring them to you. That we would receive new strength and a new perspective from you that will sustain us no matter what we're going through. And Father, would we do that not just for ourselves, but would we encourage one another in the same? Would we be ready, not embarrassed, to walk with one another when they are in tough times, loving them, pointing them with words and actions to the Lord Jesus, the one who has felt himself the pain and the fear and the betrayal that we often feel, in order that he could pay for our sin and redeem us for you on the cross. Thank you that he is The one to walk with us as we walk the way of the cross after him. Father, may our trust never be in ourselves, but in our saviour Jesus, we pray.
1: And we pray in his name. Amen.